and talking to our friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Lovelist. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Matt Schreckbein. Hey, Matt, you're back. Hey, welcome back. Fun. I'm back. Yeah. Welcome me back. We miss you. <laughs> <laughs> we will. I miss you guys, too. Yeah, yeah. we the same. Yeah, but we had, a, we had some good episodes with Mark, and I was going to actually try and get Mark on the episode, but he was not available. But we will eventually catch up with him again, I'm sure. And we'll be able to have our Matt Mark face off nice, or whatever nice. collaboration. Well, you know, I feel like he and I have been friends for years. Right. Like yeah. a long time. <laughs> right. And I've never spoken with him. Wow. <laughs> That'd be cool. But yeah, this was like, uh, I don't know. It's like one of those sitcoms where one of the cast members goes away for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and they have his cousin from another nice, country yeah. come right. in. <laughs> And then that that's guy, great. he'll end up with his own spin-off show one day. Oh, that's a great... I love that. That's a great idea. <laughs> what was it like uh, after being on so many episodes and then listening to it with some with Mark on? Well, the first time, I had no idea he was going to be on. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not there right now because I get to hear Mark. And so <laughs> so that was awesome. And, uh, and I was listening to it in the car driving cross-country. So that really came in handy. Nice. And um, yeah, otherwise it was just, you know, it's always been my favorite podcast. So it was real easy to listen to it without feeling, you know, left out or jealous that I wasn't there or something. <laughs> but I tuned in bright and early, just like always, Tuesday morning. Awesome. And what about our little prank on our outtakes episode? Did well, that was great. That? <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Because, you know, of course, at the beginning I was like, Oh, that's awesome. And then again at the end, and I was like, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was cool. That that came out after recording two long episodes. Yeah, that's what I was telling. And uh, one night. <laughs> yeah, I was telling Matt we were right. kind of loopy at that point. You know, yeah. we had been on the phone with Mark for about three and a half hours. I have no so. memory of any of this. Yeah. <laughs> I have absolutely no memory of any of that. As you know, it is my policy to not listen to this show. Right. I refuse to listen to it. I don't. Was it good? Did we have fun? I don't. Oh, we yeah. had a blast. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was a good episode. All right. All right. And if you've been enjoying the show and all the episodes over the holiday season, you know, we didn't take a single week off. We actually had 54 episodes in the last year. So, you know, if you've been enjoying things, please leave us a review. That really spreads the word. I, I feel like we've been doing this podcast for almost a year and a half now. And I feel like there's a lot of people that still don't know about it. So really spread the word to like-minded people, uh, people in your comic book shops, and other Hellboy fans that you interact with, let them know about the show and give us a review. I was checking out our reviews, and we had two haters or something. Nice. What? We had two people Excellent. go on there and leave us two stars on iTunes, what? and they didn't say anything. Delicious. There was oh, no, there was no written review. It was just like, I'm going to go Badass. in here and try and lower the rating of this show. <laughs> and then so it was kind of weird because for like a couple, for like a week or something, we were at we weren't at 5.0, which is what we've been at. Right. But then now we're back at 5.0, and those two negative ones are still there. But I guess, I don't mm. know if, 
iTunes decided to ignore them or whatever. But I think we've got some haters out there. Nice. So come back against our haters and give it outnumber them. No, and give come us back, five... haters. <laughs> More haters. Two stars. Damn. Yeah, I was like, at least say why. If you're going to leave two stars, at least say, well, you know, I didn't. They're you know, buttheads. They're buttheads and they those, smell bad. Those guys suck. <laughs> you know, but to just, just no, say great. nothing. Anyway, it. give us a review. I also wanted to talk about the raffle. We had the raffle results. Hey, congratulations to all the yeah. winners, including our man, John. Yeah, I did actually win the Michael Avon Oming Hellboy piece. Nice. nice. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go pick that up tomorrow from the post office. Thanks so much to Craig McKnight and to Oming and to all the artists and the people at Dark Horse who gave so many gifts and also Mike Mignola. There were also a lot of book club members in there. I saw Jerry Turnbull. Yeah. He won. It was something awesome. Now I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was the Kevin Nolan. Oh, that's right. With the yeah. cow. Yeah. And Drew Campbell. Wow. Drew Campbell got the James Heron. Taylor Dodderman wow, got nice. something also. Somebody won your page. I was actually going to pick your page, Matt, and then the guy right in front of me. Right. Uh, took the page but I'm, uh. but I'm but i've already got two of them so i'm glad that somebody else can can have your awesome art just so that person knows that is page two of two okay. and one of two is still here oh nice oh, wow. okay. So, okay. yeah everybody if he wants a set yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> so craig mcknight said eight thousand four hundred and ninety five dollars hey, that's a lot of dollars yeah and I wow. think that um, cool. he was going to throw in an extra $5 to just make it 8500 flat. All right. Yeah. So thank you so much, Craig. And everybody had a lot of fun. I think that we raised a lot of money. He was saying that the breakdown is going to be 2250 to the V Foundation in memory of Case, 2250 to the COPD Foundation in memory of Hayden Clark, 1500 to the American Brain Tumor Association in memory of Nancy Stover, 1500 to the Alzheimer's Association in memory of Craig Underhill. And then also his uh, employers also matched some of the donations. Oh, yeah. So that. there was some uh, additional money that went there. So that is so great. He said, I'm so proud to be part of this community of people. Over the course of two years, we have donated nearly 14000 to charity. Let that sink in for a moment. It feels pretty damn good. That's amazing, you know. And once again, congratulations to all the winners. But you know, everybody just you know, thanks for donating. Which to is a everyone cause. who donated. Yeah, it's all yeah. Winners yeah. For donating. Yeah, and I mean, all that work that Craig does to get yeah, it done. It's a lot I mean, of organization. Huge applause to that guy. Oh yeah, yeah. he amazing. was um, posting pictures of all the boxes and all the stuff that he had to send out. He had to make like multiple trips to the post office over a couple of days to send everything out. So yeah. Huge Did I tell Craig. you, so, you know, I was using my mom's Facebook account, <laughs> and I think that she unjoined that group. Oh, no. Because like, <laughs> I went on, and it was like, join this group, and I was like, I already joined. And Maybe doesn't know that you can, like, mute it and hide it. She was like, what is all this to... in my feed? Yeah. 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 A lot She's of like, people I don't know you this. can just mute or unfollow, yeah. Aw. Uh. Oh, and so I know that we just finished this huge raffle and, oh, we raised so much money for all these wonderful causes. And so it's like, it's ridiculous for me to be like, hey, give more. Right. But like, if you can <laughs> spare a couple of bucks, I've got, you know, kind of a list going of various uh, places you can donate um, for the uh, wildfire situation in Australia right now. It's truly horrific and it's really, really upsetting. So anything we can do, you know, a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there. There's various organizations. And also, if you like, send me proof that you donated like 15 bucks or more. Um, or even if it's just a little bit and you're like, look, I can only spare five bucks. What can I'll send you a little something too? I've got yeah. little things here and there uh, for various 
levels of donation. I've got stuff. I'll send you stuff from my house. I'll send you like, <laughs> I'll send you something in the mail. I don't know what it is going to be, but I'll send you something. You'll get something. So like, you like know, and I'm, I'm not, or... can't quite match donations, but I'll, yeah, right. you'll get something. Coffee mug. Little, yeah. So, and it's, it's just, you this know, orange ball. <laughs> or if you can raise awareness, if you can share some posts, we'll put some links, we'll put some, the whole world is awful. So you constantly have to be doing stuff right, yeah. and helping, but That's it's true. Like, you know, this is something that's particularly upsetting, and I think that we can all there's so there's something we could do. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's just hit, even if it's just button yeah, or whatever. no, whatever we can do. Yeah, so, you're right. Actually, Ross Radke already did this. He, ah, you know, Ross he was Radke, like, book club member. Ross Radke, book club member. He was like, "Hey, yeah, you know, I I feel the same way. This is horrible. We got to do something." So he donated. He's like, "You, yeah, but you don't have to send me anything." I was like, "But I'm gonna." Yeah. Do yeah. it anyway. Like, no, nah, you don't have to do that, but I will. Yes. So. Yeah. yeah. That's a, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much and for, we, for talking about that. And of that. course, and you know, it's like, you know, even if we didn't have like f- personal friends and all stuff, which we do. We, per- we do like, now. Yeah, you're there. right. Yeah. But even if we didn't, like, this is just horrific stuff on just a monumental scale and it's how, you know, we got to, any little thing you can do. Right. Uh, if, even if it doesn't involve money, but you can kind of still contribute somehow just imploring you to do that anyway on with the show yeah thank you for that we had some happy new year wishes from the book club members hayden Orr said happy new year you damn guys your show is a highlight of the week for me thanks for all the hard work you do on the show i can't wait for the new episodes next year todd biala said many thanks for the excellent podcast ryan yule said thanks for all the amazing free content in 2019 looking forward to more in 2020 happy new year to the whole podcast team and Craig McKnight said, you all are all great. Thanks for help promoting the raffle. Yeah, so thanks for all that. Happy New Year's, guys. So over the break, you know, we banked a bunch of episodes and we had a lot of listener feedback when I was putting it all into my notes. I had like over five pages of feedback. Right. And so I was thinking like, if we tried to add a story to it, the podcast is going to be super long. And so I thought it would be a good way to just ease back into our old routine by just catching up on all the listener feedback this week. So this is our Oops All Feedback episode. 2020 is leap year. So this is our leap podcast oh i like that get that's us, awesome get us that caught works. up with the listener listener feedback yeah yeah get us all aligned just right yeah so on this episode we'll just do the listener feedback and then we'll be back with our book club episodes next week get out trade some floppies get out hardback copies digital is fine read along in time get we had a Hey You Damn Guys from Brian Levy. Hey. It's good hey. to hear from Brian Levy again. He said, hope the holidays went well for everyone. By the time this gets read, the raffle will have concluded. So I hope it made a bunch of money and everyone got a lot of cool stuff. We did. Yeah, Everybody did. Happened, yeah. So yeah. Your, your dream came true. I haven't written in a while, partly because school's ramped up big time in the last few weeks. Good job but, on going to school. Yeah. But also because, to be honest, I never really had a big interest in the Lobster Johnson series. But that's kind of a cool thing, and it's what I want to talk about. I'm a big Hellboy guy. The Mignolaverse is a big part of my life. A major reason why I love it so much is how tightly woven and interconnected it is. I live for the little tiny connections between the different corners of the world. 
but there's a major corner of the universe that I've never really paid any attention to, and that hasn't affected my enjoyment of the rest of the books at all. I think it's awesome that you can feel like some kind of Mignolaverse lore master and not even know what's going on in an entire other series that could fill omnibuses. It's cool. There's always so much stuff to uncover. Anyway, I hope 2020 isn't a horrible nightmare. Hopefully, it's super good and fun as hell. Brian Levy. Brian Levy. Yeah, you you can just read like one of the series and enjoy that for yeah. what it is, you know. And and I think that there are a lot of people out there who have read the Hellboy comics, but they haven't read any of the other stuff, you know. Right. Especially BPRD. And can you imagine like if you missed out right. on some of that stuff? I was on. Mike Mignola's art the other day and someone was like wow I just read Abe's origin this is so crazy and messed up what does this mean somebody explain this to me people are still uncovering this content after they've probably read everything Hellboy related already right this supplemental as opposed to I think that's actually something really nice about the Hellboy universe where you can read just one story and be satisfied you don't have to go out and buy the other books right if you do you get a bigger enjoyment of the stories but it's not like you're done with this issue. Now go buy this other series that you have to read another for the story right, to make sense. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. I just wonder what it would be like. You know, I've read Hellboy, and then there was BPRD, and then Lobster Johnson, and Witchfinder, and I've just kind of been along for the ride. I wonder what it would be like to say you only read Hellboy, and like present day, you're like, now oh, check out the BPRD. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, yeah. That you know, that's, people that's are still insane. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You would be so happy. You would be like, "Oh wow, this is a really well-rounded universe." Yeah, and there's so much content. And you know, to be honest, there's some stuff that I haven't read. I haven't read everything. You know. What? So as we get what? in, you're asking me. What? Ha- yeah. What haven't you read? I haven't read all the Witchfinders. I had never read that Hellboy Ghost uh, okay. when we read that. Right. Yeah, some of the other stuff, the newer stuff, I'm not completely caught up on all the Hellboy and the BPRD either. I used to email Dark Horse for, so this would have been Conan. They had a specific Conan comic that came out only at a con. This would be Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, they had the license of Robert E. Howard properties for a long time, and now... Marvel has them. Marvel okay. had them before, and they have them back again. I didn't know that. Didn't oh, yeah, know they, they're yeah. making him Avenger or something okay. like that. It's okay. so terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> All right. And Conan is public domain in Europe, and that's why you guys scored those Conan comics for me when you were in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyone can make oh, them over yeah, there. yeah, yeah. They had this one Conan story. It was a comic, and it was only available at San Diego Comic-Con. So I emailed them. I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to need that story what do you mean because it wasn't like you know this would have been 2004 Hmm. and they weren't like putting that stuff on the internet all the time and people were still using myspace (laughs) put it in perspective for you and so i emailed and was like hey you got to send me that comic i'm not going to be able to get to san diego this year sorry and they did so i've always been super obsessed right like i gotta i gotta read it all okay wow but the one thing that got away from me was the Hellboy crossover with, oh, now I'm spacing the title. It's about the dogs. Oh, Beast of Burden? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, too. And they've had a couple of crossovers with Hellboy, right? Um, I think it's just been one. I feel like I missed something there, but I have read at least one, so maybe I got it. When it comes to the Hellboy universe, 
I don't know how someone can restrain themselves. (laughs) And my reading of it was real disjointed. So that was another, one of the main reasons I decided to do the podcast was because I was going to do a big reread of everything. You know what I mean? I was like, well, you know, maybe I could just bring everybody along for the ride. So as I'm doing this, I'm also reading it for the first time in this kind of flow manner because I read it all kind of disjointed also. Yeah, and then and then there's that aspect. I've never read it in this exact reading order. And so maybe you've read it all. You could go back and reread everything in a completely different reading order. Yeah. And the story is still there. It's just being told differently. That's modular storytelling, I guess. That's pretty wild. It yeah. is. It is when you think about it. Great bit of feedback. Thank you, Brian. We also got uh, greetings from Mexico or a drunken blur from Efren Navarro. He said, hey, you damn guys, greeting from Mexico, land of mass wrestlers, tequila, never-ending deserts, and those big sombreros. Okay. <laughs> I started reading Hellboy in the early 2000s, and rapidly it turned into one of my favorite comics. I was up to date with all the comics until BPRD Hell on Earth ended. When Mignola put an endpoint to BPRD The Devil You Know, I knew I had to catch up. I got most of the trades I was missing in the later part of the year and started a massive readathon of the whole thing from the beginning. As I advanced with the reading, I started looking for a podcast about Hellboy and I found the book club. I am mostly following the Mignolaversity reading order. I was starting BPRD when I found you, but I'm trying to sync up with my reading with listening to the podcast. Sometimes I make some adjustments here and there to include things you read in advance. I'm in episode 17 of the podcast, but I'm already reading Witchfinder. We'll see if I can synchronize them sometime. Either way, I'm going to listen to the whole thing. Wow. I just wanted to write you to tell you I'm enjoying myself with the book club. My girlfriend is out of town for a month and a half, and I spent the holiday stuck at home with lots of work to do, so you've been great company during this time. Looking forward to catching up with the current episodes of the podcast, but it'll probably take me a while. Who knows? Maybe I'll hear from y'all in a future episode. This episode. This episode. (laughs) This episode. And he also yeah. sent a picture of his Hellboy collection. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'll have to post this online. It's all his trades, and he's got like all of them. It looks beautiful, um, the way that they all line up. You know how when you buy some trades and they don't line up right? Yeah. You know what I mean? On the shelves with their spines or whatever, this is like... Anyway, yeah, that's so annoying really when that good. does that. So he said he's on episode 17 of the book club? Yeah, yeah, so he hasn't even met you yet, Matt. That's BPRD War on Frogs. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. The description is on this episode, we talk about Abe Sapien's dumb shirt. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. John has a sweater that looks remarkably like. I do. Every time I wear it, you always tell me that, that that that's my Abe Sapien sweater. I'll have to take a picture of it sometime. Yeah. It looks like Abe's sweater. I'm going to get you an Abe Sapien mask so you can wear it together. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Have you guys seen the new Abe Sapien action figure? Oh, yeah, the A Thousand Toys one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, that, yeah that looks, looks really cool. And if you pre-order it from Dark Horse Direct, you get a bonus Rasputin. It's oh. like, but it's not poseable. It's just Rasputin. He's in a he's in a Rasputin-like pose. It looks really awesome. Sounds like a statue. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I'm I'm really excited for that figure to come out. Efren Navarro, book club member. Yeah, awesome want to hear from you some more we also had an awesome message from adam hicks another new listener he said hey guys i only hi i only just found your (laughs) podcast and i'm really glad that i did hello (laughs) 
<laughs> I've uh. always found it hard to find others who've read Hellboy, and certainly not to the extent that I have. It's great to be able to listen to like-minded nerds talking about my favorite combo character and universe. I've been reading Hellboy for about 20 years, maybe, but really only expanded into the wider universe and other titles about six years ago. Since then, I've literally read everything that's linked to the Mignolaverse, every title, special, every bit of lore. I love it all. After getting my hands on an old copy of the Companion book and seeing it in the timeline, I decided to find where all the events had come from and which comics they were referencing. Then I realized that there was so much that was now missing from the timeline, and my new goal became to update that timeline to be as comprehensive as possible. Over the last six years, very on and off, I've been reading everything Mignolaverse, noting dates, characters, and places. I've been slotting every bit of information I can into the official timeline from the Companion. And so he posted a link to all this work that he's done. It's like a 30-page document. Yeah. Um, and there are spoilers in there, so if you're not caught up. But he gave me permission to share it on our Facebook. So I'm going to share it on our Facebook cool. About page. So by the time this episode comes out, you can hop on over there and check out this awesome spreadsheet that Adam Hicks put together. He said, I figured you guys might enjoy. It's been a labor of love. There are still gaps and sections I've not updated yet, and I've been a bit lax in keeping up with the comics since the end of BPRD. It's also been seriously hard to carry on the timeline after 2006, as few dates are given in the comic for contemporary events. I hope you guys like it, and if you can add details or fill in some gaps, that would be great. And he actually mentioned, like, listening, he was starting from the very beginning, and listening to the Seed of Destruction episode was already helping him fill in oh, stuff wow. in his spreadsheet. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Nice. So, thanks again, Adam, a.k.a. DJ Power Hungry Monkey. Nice. That's his DJ name, and he also said he used to post under that name on the CBR forums. Okay. So you might know him from there, and so I'm going to post that. Thank you so much for all that awesome work, and yeah, hopefully as you get more into the podcast and as book club members go check it out, we can fill in some of those gaps for you. Such a cool project. I saw the message, so I didn't click on the thing because I saw it might be spoilery. Yeah, but yeah. Man, it sounds impressively awesome. Yeah. Just look john how your podcast is getting people into the comic and helping them figure it out and all the different because the hellboy universe is like it's a challenge to jump into yeah yeah and, and i see i still see a lot of people that are like oh how do i get into the manual how do i get into the hellboy comics i see posts like that all the time on reddit and i'm like somebody tell them about the show you know what i mean i still, sometimes i feel weird about being like hey you should listen to my show you know what i mean it seems kind of or like you should even listen if, to my podcast it's not a <laughs> sentence anyone wants to hear fully understand this or like i could but pretend i'm not me but then somebody would figure it out and they would be like are you trying to oh, push off no. your own show i like to think about it like a book club because that's what it is that's yeah, how yeah. we're treating it so yeah. it's not like if i ever was going to talk to somebody about it like if someone was like oh, gee i sure wish i knew more about hellboy i wonder if there's anyone else who's currently reading the series and also thinking about these things and it's kind of like yeah you know if you're ever in that fucking situation i think what i think about is well there's this like project where people are doing this kind of a book club where they're going through the books and reading it and talking about it and it kind of helps you think about it a little bit because when i first read these i immediately was like i need to talk to somebody about this yeah, yeah right. and that's how yeah, right. you introduced it to me you were like okay you know what i need someone to talk to you about this will you read this so we can talk about it <laughs> right and that's but that's you know what i mean and that's as soon as i finished reading some of these stories i'm just like 
okay, well, I need to fucking talk to somebody yeah, about this. Yeah. So that's what this just is and became. And so it's not like, hey, I have a podcast and uh, you should totally listen to it. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't feel like that. Okay. Because that's not really, you know what I mean? It's more of a, hey, well, if you like Hellboy related discussions and stuff, here's, yeah, here is yeah. a thing that. I'm just like, man, I'm just going to get downvoted into oblivion. No, it's like, <laughs> if it's your thing, it's your thing. If it's not, it's not. It's fine. You know, people well, get really is, worked up about it, but it's really not that critical. As as much as it's a legit book club, I mean, it really is. We're doing a whole episode on listener feedback. It's also a legit Hellboy podcast. I mean, you have Mark Tweedale on here, and you. I mean, you're you, you're yeah. on here all the time, man. So. Well, yeah, but everyone knows that. I mean, that guy is like the authority on the topic. <laughs> if you ask me, I I default to him always. Yeah. yeah. So but wait, so wait, okay, so hold on. You uh, were saying that you got a text from Scott Alley. Yes, and he's asking me a question about the Hellboy universe. Okay. And I, I immediately thought to myself, wait, what time is it? Oh, okay, it's the middle of the night where nice. Mark Tweedale is. That's why he's asking me, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you asking me for? I'm just the uh, next nerd in line or something, right? So, you're the emergency backup nerd. Uh, but yeah, this is, you know, it's like you're not going to read Hellboy and, and go, eh, and right. then seek out a book club or a podcast to give it a second shot. You're going to read Hellboy and get that obsessed feeling that there's more to know and there's some sort of mystery involved to it and they don't give you the whole story right away and it's all disconnected and out of order and they jump around in different years and decades you need resources you need other people who are going through that and talking about the same thing especially people who have read it a lot yeah that reminds me of when you hear people describe or like in a documentary or something when they talk about the whole frodo lives thing yeah where like the books oh, yeah. happened and they were like oh well yeah that was okay and then it kind of dies and then like all of a sudden it picks up randomly Right, for no reason. right, yeah. It's because some group of people was like, oh, have you read this? Yeah. We gotta talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes this whole thing. For me, I'm way behind on this, and you were just like, you really should read this, though. It's <laughs> really, really cool. And so I've, you know, picked it up, and of course, it's, yeah, it's yeah, awesome. It's worth it, talking about. It, it is daunting to get to get into, I, I will admit, but like, one of my favorite things, and I think what lends it to this discussion quality so much is like, they don't beat you over the head with telling you stuff. They'd like just put yeah. it out there. Yeah. And like you have to kind of figure it out yeah. for yourself and go, oh, this is what I think is happening. What do you think is happening? Right. And like that, I, th I just love that. I just love that they don't tell you, but yet if you're paying attention, you can see how it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. I know what you mean though about like, you know, promote, self promoting yourself. Because yeah. <laughs> when Kathy and I went to that wedding last, last fall, you know, she would be like, Oh, he does a podcast, yeah, and to get see. me to start talking about the podcast, it's it's really one of those <laughs> things where you you, you want to overhear like, someone saying, "Yeah, I've been reading these comics I'm lately," for a podcast. and you're like, "Oh, yeah, it's one of those things where yeah, you're like, so what do you like to do for fun?" Oh, well, I read comics. Oh, yeah, me too. What kind yeah. of comics you read? Oh, you know, I like like weird comics. Like, you know, I'm looking for something that's like sci-fi, but it's kind of also like psychedelic and kind of weird. And you're like, well, there is a comic like that. In fact, I actually talk about it. Once yeah, a yeah. week, so yeah. it's the thing that comes up naturally when people do this. When like I don't think that conversation has like, ever come if up. If it's naturally. like your mom, if it's like your mom who's she's like, oh well, my son is in a band. Oh, yeah, he's an amazing God. drummer, 
and all this stuff. Like you don't just sprint and someone's like, okay, I didn't ask, but all right. No, like I mean, over at the hors d'oeuvres table, just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. That is what happens. No, no. I mean, that's so, not how you. Okay, so I, I was wearing um, doing that. Wearing the itty bitty Hellboy pin. Oh yeah. And people would ask about the pin. I'd be like, oh, it's Hellboy. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it's then conversation Kathy, started. Then Kathy'd be like, oh, he does a podcast on Hellboy. Yeah, she's she's getting it in there, and everyone's like, she's cool. like, she's like trying. To, no, <laughs> can't I mean, wait to hear about your podcast, person I just met. No, they were. <laughs> that's so wrong. That's not how I feel when people say that to me, though. I but guess no, 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 no. Nobody was being cynical like that's that. Good. Okay, that's nice. And. One person said he like listens to podcasts all the time, so he was going to give us a listen. That's awesome, nice. awesome! Thank yeah. you for doing that. All right, and now getting into some feedback on the on the stories that we read. Some feedback on Lobster Johnson. Get the lobster. Jason Abaddon said. Jason Abaddon, book club member. Yeah, talking about pulp stories that may or may not be the lobster's origin. I think it's like Edward Gray rolling his eyes at the Penny Dreadful adventures, which supposedly recounted his adventures. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting how the pirate, you know, the pirate novel kind of parallels that. He said, you guys were talking about the lobster's origin. I think it's got something to do with the tongs. Maybe they taught him to fight, so he's sort of protective of them. I can see it. As to Von Klemp being a head in a jar with a mechanical spider body, that's totally a thing from Batman Animated, where yes. Mr. Freeze returns <laughs> as a head with a mechanical spider body. That was in I, Batman Beyond. Yeah, he was like, I think it, that's why it wasn't used in the Hellboy movie, because it was too much of a Batman thing. Uh, oh, man, I actually thought about that cause when I was re-listening to the episode. Oh, like, yeah, recently, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's uh, Batman Beyond. Right. I've never seen that one. i got to check that out. Wasn't I, there another guy who had who did that, too? A spider body with yeah, a head? is there another guy? Or am I making that up? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that there are sure other there versions. Like the yeah. JLU. I used, to do, like, I used to watch the JLU. Okay. Was it one of the guys in Doom Patrol? I don't know, man. I have no, I never anyway, read sorry. I, this is I've not relevant. Read. None Never of this is really weird. I'm sorry. Remember, we were talking about the Lobster's crew guy, Bob, Robert uh, Isherwood. Jason Abaddon said, is this a nod to Jeff Isherwood? And so I didn't catch that reference. Jeff Isherwood, he's a comic book artist. He did work for Marvel Comics, Silver Surfer, Conan the Barbarian, Daredevil, and Doctor Strange. Since cool. then, he's been involved in movies as a storyboard and concept uh, production illustrator, working with Richard Donner and Darren Aronofsky. Oh, yeah, wow. So that's yeah, I didn't catch cool. that either. Gotta be. Gotta be. Right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've never heard name. that name. No, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Some feedback on Hellboy and the BPRD 1952. Nicholas Orzaga said, Danielle's right. The Achunga does look like the character Ukla the Mock. From Thundar, remember yeah. you were saying yes, it kind of looked right? like Thundar, and so he posted a picture of it, and it did look almost exactly like that. Yeah, so it does. Good, good catch there. Isn't that a great comic arc, the fifty-two? Oh, I really enjoyed reading that one. It so was so good. good. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. The uh, one with um, the first one that with we had the with alligator Mark. sequence. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. by Alex Maleev. Yes. I do know what you're talking about. He said, my thoughts on the episode. I like how Father Augustus says the prayer as they go off to fight the Achunga. I'm not religious at all, so even though I Google translated the words and was able to get the gist of what he was saying, it didn't mean anything to me, except that some people thought Jesus performing a miracle was some kind of demonic act. Mm -hmm. I was focused on the parable and how it applied to the story I was reading. 
So it kind of went over my head. Skip forward a few pages and Isidora tells Hellboy it was his presence that caused Father Augustus to finally act. Then it made sense to me. Augustus concludes Hellboy couldn't be evil or he wouldn't be there to fight evil, right? I think it's pretty damn funny that this is the key that helped him to accept Christ's love because it finally all makes sense to him. The joke's on him, though, because Hellboy's on his rookie mission, has no training or much experience battling evil, not to mention there's a traitor in the midst of the BPRD. Blinded by his faith, Augusto's final words are, Lord, do not forsake me. Aye! (laughs) 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 Um, But I thought, yeah, so... Yeah, because I didn't catch that either. When he's saying that part from the Bible, he's really talking about Hellboy, you mm. know? Um, right. And he's really relating to how Hellboy has come to be a hero, even though he, the father doesn't know that he's inexperienced. Yeah, but great catch there. He also said later in the story when Von Klempt is rambling on about Project Ragnarok, he pulls the most Nazi of all moves by reducing people he disagreed with to their national origin rather than defining characteristics. Aside from calling Rasputin a lunatic Russian, he refers to Adolf Hitler as Austrian, thus not a real German. This reminded me of the 1946 Edward G. Robinson Orson Welles film The Stranger, where a Nazi posing as a schoolteacher gives himself away by a comment he makes. Who but a Nazi would deny that Karl Marx was a German? Because he was a Jew. Yeah, so I thought that was a good catch also. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. We also had some feedback from Jan Niklas. And so when we were talking to Mark Tweedo, he said Jan Niklas. Yeah. yeah. So is it Jan? Oh, no. Have we been saying saying his name name correct this whole time? Why why doesn't anybody correct us? I don't know. So maybe it is. So yeah, let us know. Let us know if it's Jan Niklas because we we have no problem saying that. We don't want to say your name wrong. (laughs) He said, okay, this is not Hellboy and Hell Part 2, but still more Hellboy. Well played, you clever rascals. As for the language thing, yeah, the Clemp situation does puzzle me too. I remember from the first Christopher Golden Hellboy novel, which is canon, that we got an explanation. That Hellboy understands every language instinctively, which is normally a good thing. I like that you threw that, which is canon. That's, that's, how, I, that's how I heard that. Which is normally a good thing until you get scenes like this. Did Hellboy hear everything and just not give a fuck even back then? Talk about stubborn. Otherwise, this is the perfect Hellboy story to get started. I mean, there's a subtle horror mystery that turns into a B-movie, that turns into a superhero story, and suddenly Cthulhu appears and gets beaten to death. Perfect. (laughs) And my commentary on the scene with the ghost and the crocodile, I love how Hellboy shows his Hellboyness in this scene. My interpretation was... They wanted to show him the way out. But what does Big Red do instead? He goes where the corpses are because he's a good guy and takes the hard way. Yeah. So we also implemented the series old theme of free will into this story because Hellboy's his own person and this sick stuff will not happen on his watch. And that's why he's the best boy from hell. (laughs) He also says, I didn't connect Brazil with the Nazis, but as soon as I saw the ape... I was like, oh, he's back. But I'm not sure if it was the right decision because we had the four-pager where Hellboy and Klempt met. So part of me says retcon. While it was never mentioned that the four-pager was their first meeting and canon, it was a promotional comic. I mean, come on. But still, Mm. this comic is way better, though. I'm also not a fan of Maliv's Hellboy. He's a bit off in this world. The greatest appeal of Hellboy in my mind is that he fits the world, even as the big naked guy in the mantle he is. 
Here you look at him and think, how can anyone be at ease with him? Otherwise, I love every page. That's tricky because, so, you know, when I first read Hellboy, it was Manola artwork. And everything looked like his style. Right. And so he was kind of creating a world around Hellboy, which was the epitome of his style in my eyes. And so then when other artists came along, I was like, huh, it's not the same, but why? You know, and then I always went straight to Hellboy and I was like, Hellboy looks off. Mm. But it wasn't it wasn't that so much as it was originally in such a unique style. And the world was built around that one character design. Right, right. And none of the other artists were doing that. Right. I don't know. I I, I really liked Malieve's artwork. I didn't, but I, I, I didn't Malieve, even yeah. I didn't even think about it. The the, the difference in Hellboy or um, his relation to the other characters. Yeah. I mean, the, that's another thing that I love is that people can you know yeah. say, oh, hey, I don't really I don't really read this series or um, this is what I didn't like on this one. And so we also had some feedback from Jules Oliveros. He said, love this episode and the instant mini Mignolaversity hell notes we're getting from Mark Tweedell. <laughs> nice. I do want to see a one-page, nine-panel comic of just Mr. Frost calling Broom and asking if he's killed Hellboy already. <laughs> Man, that would be yeah. awesome. Or a similar yeah. comic of just Von Klemp trying to purchase the stuff needed for the master plan on the phone. Do you remember when you did that? <laughs> Good stuff, book club members. I want to see Von Klemp making that phone call or trying right. to put that order in or whatever. Yeah. Yes, do you manufacture giant tubes? Well, you, you have to fit an entire person in there. Uh, it, yes, I'll hold. <laughs> It was really good. It was really good. I you're you're love... really good at voices. I, I, I think I just did like my best Werner Herzog. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say another thing I noticed when listening to Mark on the episodes was sometimes you guys would be talking about something or like theorizing or not a declaration, but making statements about Hellboy and the story and the universe. And Mark wouldn't reply. I just wondered, did did you guys take that as like an affirmation, like his silence? Oh, like, oh. <laughs> like we're on the right track. <laughs> he didn't say we were wrong, so we're totally right. Mm, interesting. I mean, uh, I think there was like a couple of times where he was like, "Just wait," or something like yeah, that. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, and I think there was one point where yeah. he was like, "I'm just grinning." Can't, he was yeah. like, "You can't, you guys can't see me, yeah. but I'm just grinning so wide listening to you guys talk about this." Because there was a couple of times where I was like, "Yeah, you guys are right." And I was like, well, let's see what Mark says. He He didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, cool. So it's good to just kind of have him there. Yeah, Yeah. no, it was great. It was great. It was so awesome (laughs) to have him on the show. And yeah, I love how Juice Oliveros put it. It was like a little mini Mignolaversity Hell Notes article just having him on here and and tying all these ends together. It was really great to have him on the show. You know, as I think about it more, I was like, we're just really lucky to get him on for those episodes. And so hopefully we can get him back soon. We also had some feedback from you, Matt. You had mentioned, um, you said, I'm miles away from my long boxes, but I feel like we've seen Hellboy tossing cards like this before. Yeah. Oh, yeah so right. re- remember when they go in there and they get him, he's tossing the cards into the yeah. thing. And then so in Pickens County Horror... It's Vaughn. He remembers being on a mission with Hellboy, and they were throwing cards into oh, a wow. house. So, so yeah, good pull, Matt. Even on the road, you were able to Excellent. to access all that information. <laughs> yeah, I 
Oh, I should have looked into that, too, because I'm pretty sure there was another one where he was doing that. Oh, okay. What was the one in Canada where Abe... The Ogopogo? Yes. Uh, and that was Kevin Nolan, right? Oh, okay, okay. Was it in that one, too? Yeah, I'll have to look. Awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> but... Ross Radke said, The art by Maliv is superb. Photorealistic styles are tricky with Hellboy, but Maliv understands the world and the character. The fantastic elements all fit. The crocodile cover is one of my all-time favorites. Have you seen the original version with a dove instead of a macaw? And so he posted a picture of that. So the original comic had a dove instead of a macaw on the cover. And he said, covers are usually done well in advance of the interior art. So I'm wondering if the macaw was an addition in the script and then they changed the cover to reflect that. Yeah, that's really cool. That's cool. Ross also had some thoughts about Hellboy's age. He says, while his body's maturing at an accelerated rate, his mental development couldn't possibly be at the same rate. Our cognition growth is based on experience. Even if he's a fast learner, he'd still have a mind of a seven-year-old, right? Maybe not. We don't actually know how long Hellboy was a child in hell, and time works different there anyways. When he was summoned to Earth, he's described as a boy, not a baby, so it's possible he already had the mental development of a toddler. So Hellboy is maybe already equivalent to a human five-year-old when he appears on Earth. By 1952, maybe he's more like a 12-year-old, still a bit young to be sending out on missions from a human perspective. But keep in mind, this was an era when people as young as 14 fought in wars. Yeah. Thinking about it this way sort of helped me better understand the way Hellboy is treated by Broom and the other agents. Hellboy looks like an adult, so sometimes they forget he's a preteen. Makes a little more sense so than sending a kindergartner. A like yeah, 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 exactly. Maybe because of his outward appearance, they don't treat him like he's, you know. His right, age. yeah, yeah. Because you, you forget. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and so, you know, and I also liked in Ross's feedback, he said he really enjoyed the Maliv Hellboy, you know, so yeah. I like, you know, you get different perspectives on it also. We had some feedback on Lobster Johnson, A Chain Forged in Life. Nicholas Orizaga said, A Change Forged in Life is reminiscent of the Plastic Man miniseries by Phil Foglio and drawn by Hilary Barda, one of the Hellboy Jr. artists. Each issue was seen through the eyes of Plastic Man, whose mind was a bit warped with the rest of his body when the chemical spilled on him, giving him his powers. But each issue also featured reality checks by Kevin Nolan. Issue number two, in fact, starts with two cops making the rounds, complaining about how many bumps they have to kick out of the park each morning. Yikes. And so that's kind of like on that story, yeah. there was the two cops complaining about all the Santas, and yeah. they always get calls about Santas or whatever. So yeah, I thought that, that was a great parallel. That was a great pull, Nicholas. Man, I wouldn't mind checking out that Plastic Man stuff. Because... Yeah, it looked. he posted some screen caps of it yeah. too, and the style was very reminiscent of that um, Troy Nixie art. Yeah. yeah. Tales from the Chris said, one of my favorite lobster stories and that cover, delightfully creepy. Also love hearing fellow multiversity writer Mark on the pod. We must all bow to his encyclopedic knowledge of the Mignolaverse. Yeah, we definitely will. Bennett at the Holy Fireman on Twitter said, Mark's theory of the lobster's ghostly body jumping for justice has big ghost rider energy. And now I want that crossover. Yeah, so I wanted to get your take on that, Matt. When Mark brought that up, I was so blown away by that theory that the lobster is just like this phantom ghost that, you know, how in Conqueror Worm he grew out of a Nazi's body or like a dead Nazi stood up and then he was the lobster. Do you think mm-hmm. that that's how he manifests every time? No. I 
Counterpoint. I, yes. That's so dope. In, that sounds great. So in like the 30s? No. Okay, but, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, Maybe something happened along the way and So here's the thing. The best part about the lobster is the mystery. Yeah. And that's as good for the reader as it is for the creators because think about that playground, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Oh, he's not going to die. He'll live." How? <laughs> You know, it's a lobster. He always lives. <laughs> Even after he dies, he'll be back. So so I love that you can have such a theory. Right. I think that's the best part of the character is no one can go, this is the way it is. But there's something about him in life. And I don't want to jump ahead in case somebody has feedback on this. But you guys were talking about how he's just like, like at some point, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys were talking about how the lobster is just like, bloodthirsty and violent and kill 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 right mm. that came up during listener feedback I yeah think. that was listener feedback yeah I oh think that's so, yeah. what it was okay so i've always thought of him as like a cipher for justice right but that doesn't explain his code if he has one so it's almost like he's been programmed he hates nazis and... so much that he came back as a fucking ghost <laughs> well <laughs> but it's like before him. before nazis though he's just after bad guys right okay. so it's right. It's like he's programmed to kill a certain kind of person, but not other kinds of people. And after he, you know, quote unquote, died or whatever. At Hunt Castle. Right. right. The, the program, it's like now it's like a phantom program. Like if you think about it in like technology sense, like it's always on your computer, even after you delete it, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Or, hmm. or like he's in the cloud. But that's too too modern of a reference, right? But it's, you know it's, what I mean? But it's like that. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just don't think he was always a phantom. Right. Right. What was affecting him in you know while he was alive? That was paranormal because there's definitely something. What's the claw? Right. In his yeah. hand. No one's ever explained it. What is it? It's the claw of right? justice. But what's the power? Is it a cigarette Justice. lighter? Well, that's what or... uh, I think we do have some feedback on on that. So we'll come back to that. But yeah, absolutely. But the, the, the mystery is the most intriguing the thing about part. him. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you can change your own theory down the line, you know? The power to whip ass with a single folding chair. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I believe but it was when... a luggage rack. Luggage rack? <laughs> yeah. Luggage was rack there's... is even better. That's an even more just like a it's yeah. such a non sequitur item. If I ever cosplay as a lobster, I would have a just a have luggage a luggage rack. rack. Yeah. <laughs> but was there Broken a specific moment? Was there like a one scene in particular that Mark was referencing when he came up with that? We were talking about it at the end of Get the Lobster, where he crawls out of the blimp and he's still alive. Yeah, yeah. that's where we were talking about it. I think that's when it came up and. And kind of going along with that, we had some feedback on The Forgotten Man. Nicholas Orizaga said, on the cover of The Forgotten Man, it just has... Who was the main character in that story? Isaiah? Anyway, it has that guy running on the front, and then it has this big shadow of the lobster. Remember that cover? Yeah. So there's a, there's a Mickey Mouse classic story called Mickey Mouse Outwits the Phantom Blot. And the Phantom <laughs> Blot is is that exact same pose that the lobster's in on oh, that cover. Wow. Like the outline of it. He posted a picture of it on our Facebook and it almost matches exactly. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. 
You know what? It, okay, uh, I'm gonna just harp on this for one more minute. Here. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. So now that I'm thinking about it, with the lobster, it feels a lot like a couple of other Hellboy Universe characters, where I've described it before as as if they're leaving out every other scene, and that would explain everything. Like think about Phoenix. Right. We for talked about time, that with her. Yeah. Yeah, you just read about her, and then you're realizing it's the ghost of her sister. Right. right? And then, same with Sledgehammer. We always saw those, like, two giant eyes out in the cosmos or wherever. Mm-hmm. Sled- whoever's in Sledgehammer goes to communicate with the beyond or whatever that is. Think about, like, how everyone else is, is seeing Sledgehammer. They don't know that's going on. Right. They just see him talking to himself. So I could easily see the lobster having similar conversations with big glowing eyes out in outer space without us knowing about it. Mm, okay. Huh. And you could see how it's and and again, this is the other good thing about the character because you can write this any million different ways. Right, right. Right. But it wouldn't it be cool if one day they filled it in, you're like, oh, duh, that's what's going on. It's obvious now that they give you every other scene. Right, right. Yeah. Would that be satisfying? Would you just no, take I don't it want as a retcon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah, I'd be against that. Nicholas also said the title, The Forgotten Man, is a reference to this phrase that was used by FDR in his 1932 speech to describe the poorest people in the country while promoting the New Deal. And then there was also a song, Remember My Forgotten Man. And so. In this story, there was that whole theme of the the soldiers having to live in these shanty towns now after the war and all that kind of stuff. So, right. yeah, I, I, thank you for getting all those references. Did you find that song? No, I guess I could cut it in. Yeah, I could cut it in right here. Yeah, Remember My Forgotten Man by Joan Blondell and Etta Morton Barrett. We also had feedback on Lobster Johnson, The Glass Mantis. Nicholas Orizaga, he said, I second Mark's recommendation of Arcudi and Tony Fajula's Dead Inside. I've been hoping for more of that comic for a while. Have you ever read that, Matt? No, I did read another one by him. By Fajula? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I'd never never seen his art before that lobster story. Hmm. Yeah, it was one of the ones that, because, you know, I was a huge nerd and letter hack <laughs> so dark horse would send me the first issue ahead of time like before they colored it oh, to wow. read it and submit a letter yeah so at this one time I, I was coming out of a movie uh you know i get in the car i look at my phone there's an email oh uh, here's a comic to read and it was by him and i just flipped out it was so good okay the comic is called veil oh okay awesome I'll yeah check that out it's very good. It's Greg Rucka is the writer. Ah, nice. Okay. Really cool. I love his style, and I, I really like that you guys were talking about his art. and How does he do that? It feels like it's pencil sometimes. Right. We were talking about um, how is it digital or, or not. Do you right, remember that, yeah. that painted the glass mantis and right. all that stuff? We didn't, Dave. There's, 
do the colors? Or was no, it was oh. Fajula that did yeah, the colors Fajula. on oh, okay. that one. Yeah, we even talked about that too. Mm. I remember that. Oh, such a long time ago. I yeah, know, I know. <laughs> we're also talking about those pilot pants. Nicholas said they're called Jodfurs. I want to get a pair. He also gave us another nice bit of trivia of that story. He said in 1896, the National Bureau of Criminal Investigation was founded. In 1932, it was renamed the United States Bureau of Investigation. In 1933, it was linked to the Bureau of Prohibition and rechristened the DOI Division of Investigation. In 1935, its name was officially changed to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI. This explains Hansen's joke about it being called AAA. Oh, okay. remember because he yeah. was like, "Oh, what are you, AAA? Whatever yeah. y'all are called now," because the name apparently had changed so many times <laughs> in the last couple of years. That is so interesting. Thank you for that bit of yeah, trivia there. So here's the bit of feedback I was referencing. Nathaniel Green said, "Have we debated whether Lobster Johnson has the vril? I guess I always figured that's what was happening in his palm. Plus, the whole ghost stuff really helped me believe the pirate and the shape shifting right. mountain lion backstory." I really don't have a hard time fitting that account into this already fantastic universe. Sure. Yeah, so what do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, 100%. I yeah. think it's real. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah, I think I think it's come up before. They just happen in this universe, they just happen to have a magical fire, you know? Yeah, and but then also goes along with your <laughs> sledgehammer thing that you were just talking about cuz the sledgehammer exactly. armor produces the vril. There's more to this characters so the, the the people that possess you. the vril have like some sort of extrasensory mm. you know because the sledgehammer guy sees that the two eyeballs in the void or whatever the, right. and all yeah. that you know he's having a conversation with this nether realm or whatever something yeah, must how many something must like that must be happening with the lobster too well right? how many other characters in this come back after they die as ghosts with quote-unquote spectral bullets right mm. right like shanshan right and so yeah, the lobster so must be on that there's level. a connection yeah yeah because yeah. other characters will die and not come back right yeah yeah, yeah all the time i guess roger had an option to and decided not to but i don't well yeah he was affected by vril too yeah he had uh liz's secret fire in him which is the vril right yeah if he's a yeah, watcher ghost me... yeah just makes me sick to my stomach every time I think about how they didn't bring Roger back. <laughs> <laughs> swear to God. I mean, okay, but... Ugh. I liked his little rainbow bridge moment, though. It was yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. nice to know that not every place you go is fucking horrible. Some places are nice. Yeah, but there was a little talking point that kind of got ignored over, glossed over a little bit. You just said maybe he has something to do with the Watchers. Oh, sorry. I was saying maybe he's like a ghost... Yeah, a watcher. Because some of them went into the earth, and some of yeah, them some remember. Of them went into the, yeah. Well, some of them went into space or something. Yeah. Or I got to go back and read that. He's a but space ghost. Yeah. Yeah, maybe lobster was never human. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. He's a space ghost. This is blowing my mind. What was I'm all just that? Up with the fucking space ghost theory. It's always me. <laughs> Every time you say that, I want to say coast to coast. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but well, what was all that lore about him? You know, just misdirecting right no, right he keeps, I don't... he keeps on being a guy oh okay yeah right ghost style so yeah just like just like how they're you know you could trace other characters back a little bit like yeah. the black flame or yeah. right yeah. right real ghosts different versions sure yeah hmm. but but i i still think that whatever he was programmed to do i mean because he's like a wind-up doll 
But we were talking about so there's in, in, in the Forgotten Man. There's a part where he's getting swarmed by all the cannibals, and he's just hitting one on the head with his gun. And as the, all the cannibals are coming, he's still just hitting that one on the head. And I right. think that's what Matt's talking about. Like he has yeah. that, and I think Mark said it too. He has a singular focus. Yeah, and he's like, if I just keep doing this. It'll be all right. (laughs) But it's like not up to him. I think it's just such a strong inclination towards this behavior that it, I don't even, I don't think it's a program. I just think it's just just like, this is the fucking way I feel. Right. And that's all there is to it. I mean. Has he ever shown, okay, so (sighs) he was fighting the Nazis, but would you call him a patriot? No, 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 no. I, I think it's just sincerely like a fucking you will bring me 100 Nazi scalps, right. and I want my scalps. It's that, it's that kind of aura right. to I him. I feel like somebody somebody opened a hatch in the back of his head, wired it for gangsters, <laughs> and then yeah. later rewired it for Nazis. <laughs> Which are go. gangsters. And after he couldn't go on physically anymore, the wiring was still it's like a, in effect. It's like, a, it's like a Steve Irwin thing see he was just single-mindedly focused oh, okay, on right. animal conservation and right. he was gonna make sure you knew about it and like that uh, even he had a family though and his family is obsessed with it and that is their single fucking sure. focus yeah. yeah that is all they think about and do all the time so if lobster uh, could find a like-minded yes. significant other who was into fighting justice we could have lobster babies. <laughs> yeah, the lobster dynasty. There you well, go. Well, he has he has a crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's gotta he's gotta yes. care about those guys, saying. right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. No, well, we do see like when they're talking to old Harry McTell. Harry McTell talks about how all the lobsters crew started to get killed. And he said, like, after, you know, then the lobster got really depressed, or then he kind of like left all the crew and all this kind of stuff. And so I think. There, they kind of did hint that there was some sort of emotion or connection or something like that that maybe leads to a little bit more humanistic point of view. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Sorry about the tangent about the Irwins, by the way. I didn't... didn't I didn't mean that as derogatory like they're upset. I've been I mean, thinking like, it's about good. them a lot lately. I've actually yeah. been, yeah. I follow Robert Irwin on Twitter yeah, yeah. and all this stuff. They've been doing very a lot inspiring. of really good stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I meant that in a completely positive way, by the way. I meant that in a, like, this yeah, is no. nothing but respect and admiration and, and inspiration. And it's very, yeah, awesome and good. I didn't yeah. mean like, oh, all they think about is conservation. Like, <laughs> no, that's great. I'm all for it. 100% good. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the holy trinity of the internet is Steve Irwin. Bob Ross and Mr. Rogers. Right. That's like oh, yeah. the that's like yeah. the holy trinity. But uh, right there. but his his son Robert Irwin and his daughter like I think her name is Bindi Irwin it and is. his Bindi. wife um oh my goodness Terry Terry Irwin yeah. and so they're no they're heroes they're international yeah. heroes they're yeah. super good I didn't mean that to be like a I'm not mocking them sure they're great but back to the claw yeah, in yeah, his yeah. glove <laughs> sorry I go off on these ridiculous I think tangents. that's I used to think, like, before I knew a lot about Vril, like, the comics just hadn't really gotten there, you know? Okay. Like, I really did think it was something like a cigarette lighter where if it's pressed in, it activates. Right. Right. And maybe he had that, like, on his belt. Right. So if he pushes his glove against his belt, fires okay. it up. Right. It is but I really do to integrate think it's that. Yeah. It's interesting to integrate that. If, you, if there is a force... Like a weird universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not integrate that into the 
That's uh, right. yeah, that's awesome. Why, yeah. why wouldn't you? Of course, yeah, it makes sense. But somehow, because his stories just seem so grounded in noir, I think that most people don't make that connection. But it's there for I you to make. It's just like I was talking about earlier. Like it's not they don't tell you anything, but you kind of like if you're putting these I, connections together and you have a good group of people to discuss it with, you're like, oh, it's there. The answers are there. I know I sound like yeah. a broken record, but like he shows up as a fucking ghost a lot. Yeah. So I think we kind of j- that's there. It is. Wow. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. Did you know? <laughs> or like, <laughs> uh, you're probably just echoing what a lot of people sure. are. Sure. But that's. We had some feedback on Lobster Johnson Mangekyo. Nicholas Orzaga said, In Mangekyo, I like the Chinese gangster speaks in a whisper because he was shot in the throat and it affected his vocal cords. Oh, Remember, Guan yeah. Jia was yeah. shot in the throat, so Fucking he's always grizzly. whispering. And he says, He thinks the owl is the Crimson Lotus. It kind of looks like her, doesn't it? And he posted like a side-by-side of that owl that's in the tree. Remember you pointed that out? Right. Mm-hmm. And then the Crimson Lotus mask. And they do kind of look okay. similar. similar. Yeah, it was interesting. That's pretty cool. Ryan Rowlinson said, Crimson Lotus is the scariest lobster villain ever. Lobster 20... Th- yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Totally. And Lobster 20,000 said, Ben Stenbeck drawing Lobster Johnson. It doesn't get better than that. Right. Nice. We had some feedback on Garden of Bones. Well, I guess it wasn't specific to that story, but Nathaniel Green asked, "Does anyone know the style of the jacket that the lob- that Lobster Johnson wears, where it has that thing in the front?" It's the yeah. It's isn't that the one that pilots used to wear? I it's mean, it's a, a pilot. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's yeah. a. It's like an old. It's probably German inspired pilot jacket. Uh, some uh, of them would have like a pocket in the front, like a, a snap pocket. Right, I think so. <laughs> because I know, like the Rocketeer wears a, a similar jacket. Okay, I'm gonna look for that. Yeah, it'd be cool to get one of those. It's not a motorcycle jacket, right? No, because it has that weird. Because like, I was looking at it after he posted that, and there's like no zipper in the front. There's just like that patch thing. So I it's think like the a... zipper's under that, right? And then it buttons up. Okay, so I always assumed that was so you could put your seatbelt on there. Your your cockpit seatbelt, and then you put it over that so it doesn't get in your way. Oh, okay. I could completely... That's just my own theory. I right. don't know anything if that's true. But It that's looks cool, like, though, this yeah. This sounds easily Googleable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, pff, Google. And we and that's all the listener feedback we had. We had some a uh, uh, little bit of feedback on the Outtakes episode that we posted last week. Uh-oh. Mark Tweedell said... I agree with Danielle. I started avoiding trailers, and I found that I was enjoying movies more. Because yeah. that, that was in the outtakes thing, yeah. talking about how movies are advertised like over a year out and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. yeah. And he also said it was weird listening to the show. He said, at one point, y'all were talking, and I just answered. You know, <laughs> just talking to a podcast like you do. Aw, yeah. Mark. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's what happens. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> Just not being in the room with you guys. It's still listening to a podcast. Hanging out with your friends. Yeah. That's so great. You know, I feel the same way about trailers, too. Yeah. It just creates such a... It actually forms like a level of negativity. I think it was completely unintentional. Where people are like, where's the goddamn trailer? And then when it comes out, they're like, oh, this is going to suck. And it's like, well, that was a 20-second yeah. tra- You shouldn't see 20 seconds of the movie to form an just opinion. Just let me I'm watch sorry. the fucking movie. Right, That's right. all I want to do is, you know, just right. like, come yeah. on. Over the break, um, we saw this movie Knives Out, which is out right yeah. now. I really enjoyed it. But the best thing that someone told me about that movie is they were like, 
don't read anything about it. Yeah. Don't read. Don't look. Watch the trailer. Just go see it. Just go see it. And that's when I told my parents after we saw it. I yeah. enjoyed it so much. I the told only my thing parents, I knew about it going in there is that Chris Evans wears a sweater. Yeah. That's all I fucking knew about it. And it was thoroughly fucking enjoyable. It was a great movie. Yeah. People were just hamming it up. He I love the, it. He put that sweater on his dog. Aww. Oh, we yeah, got a dog yeah, version yeah. for his. Or... That's boisterous. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's what I need. Tell me the title of the movie. Tell me a couple of the actors in the movie. Yeah. I will decide if I want to see it or not. Right, right. That's yeah. all I need. Yeah. Okay? I got to know director. I got to. Okay, that's fine. That's honestly At one least. of those things where I just yeah? like, could okay. not care less, but okay. But like, It's I... only so I can go, oh, I don't know who that is. Right, right, right. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. It's kind of one of those things where I'm just like, I'll either see a movie or I won't. Yeah. You well, know? I don't know. I mean, I still like watching trailers, but I, I do don't like the way that it's become with the internet right, and all that. Right. But I, I don't, watching trailers it just rem- reminds me of being a kid and going to the movies and seeing trailers or yeah. reading movies and seeing the previews. Yeah. yeah like they uh, didn't used to just tell you the whole fucking movie, though. It oh, was, no, they did. They'd be like, it would be a couple of really... <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. go back and watch the Terminator 2 trailer. They tell you the whole movie. Oh, yeah. They give away the twist. That it, it, if, if you go back and now I'm getting into a tangent. Did they really? It, okay, if you go back I and you watch. I wasn't old enough to, so, to see that one. It, so uh, next time you're watching Terminator 2, which you should watch. Uh, great movie. Great movie. Pretend, Terminator, 2, per, pretend, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Terminator, full title. Yeah, full title. Uh, pretend like you don't know that Arnold is the going to be the good guy. Oh. Because that's how the movie was set up. Because yeah. he was the bad guy in the first movie. And so when the second movie shows up and he's after John Connor and John Connor's there and he, these both of them are coming at him and he's like, what's going to happen? And then Arnold shoots the T-1000. You're supposed to be like, oh, oh what's yeah. going on here? He's, okay. he's on his Can side. Say, that's how I watched the movie. Okay, but like... And if you go back and watch the trailer, they give it away. The, yeah. They give it all away in the that trailer. Sucks. Yeah, I mean, they, they they even have the voiceover where like one is programmed to kill. Oh no! One is programmed to protect. Yeah, sucks, man. yeah. But that but that trailer wasn't like at your fingertips. True. Oh, okay. True. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, it, it definitely you'd is have to like be now. in the theater or well, yeah. maybe see it on TV. But well, I, then I stand corrected. I did not know that. Wow, but, um, that's a pretty big one too. But I was telling Aubrey like I'll I'll usually watch the first trailer for a big movie I, like I don't see it. like when the new Star Wars came out. I watched the first trailer of it, but then all the subsequent right. trailers I didn't watch any of those. I didn't watch any of the TV spots or any or any of the behind the scenes or oh, now I we're gonna any now we're gonna show you eight minutes of the movie. Just on right, your TV right. for no. no reason. I don't watch any of that stuff, but I usually watch the initial trailer just to like get a sense of the movie and whether I feel like I'm going to want to see it or not. But yeah, I think there needs to be a big decision where they just stop with the early trailers because if you think like they just did the Golden Globes last weekend, yeah, it even that's negative. Like it's negative all the way through like because now you're sitting there going that movie won that movie shouldn't have won that was a robbery oh that guy should have got the award and yeah, it's I like hold on a second is there any, any part of this that isn't negative <laughs> yeah no like right. because the whole thing let's sucks. say like a friend of mine just watched once upon a time in hollywood which i recommended i loved it he i said, liked it too yeah he said oh it was terrible and i was like what didn't you like about it and he's like first of all i watched it on an ipad and I was like, that's your mistake right there. Right. <laughs> what are you doing to yourself? It doesn't have to be a negative situation. Right. Yeah. Well, we, well, we wanted to watch that movie, and I was pulling it up on the Red Box or whatever, 
and all the reviews on the Redbox were, I was showing Danielle, they were terrible. People were like, I'm 30 minutes into this movie and it's I'm so fucking boring. I don't know what the, this, what does this even mean? And like, and then we watched it and loved it. We watched it and then we started watching it again right after we finished watching it. Um, I I watched Meryl Streep have brunch with Tom Hanks and talk about absolutely nothing. (laughs) Be like, this is great. But Meryl Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, you're talking about The Post. But like I am also I like real boring movies and I like real not boring movies. I like all of the movies except for the movies that are like, hey, we're going to scare you with some stabbing and some blood. And I right, like those yeah. movies. But Well, when I was a kid, there was like Variety, the oh, yeah. industry trade publication. Right, right. And I remember Cisco that. and Ebert. And yeah. Like oh, doing the reviews. And then at some point, there was like the guy at the video station or the video rental place, right? <laughs> uh, the video station was the name of the one I used to go to in Boulder. The video but, um, station. Wow. Oh, that place was epic. I miss them. But um, you're talking about a la the, Seinfeld, the, the everyone has their rack of movies. Yes. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so, so nowadays, it's Gene this picks. whole culture of I'm missing out. I gotta be in on it. I gotta see that trailer. Everyone's talking about no. it. I gotta see. I gotta I'm see the reaction that. trailer to the trailer. <laughs> no, no, I gotta no, see the no. deep fake George Lucas reaction trailer to the Mandalorian <laughs> trailer. You know what I mean? Is that There's a real thing? Whole... Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. You're talking about <laughs> I, yeah. I started laughing. I started laughing in Rise of the uh, Rise of Skywalker in the theater because they showed a part. That reminded me of the deep fake George Lucas <laughs> reaction, Aww. and I was like, "Oh no, I'm gonna start laughing inappropriately." So you're talking but, uh, about you're talking about the discourse, and in other yeah, words, you're talking about and, the yeah. fucking people are born into that now, and it's oh, to, yeah. being to very younger online. generations. Yes. it's the way it is, and they they don't know a time where you go. I heard this movie could be good, or it's Harrison Ford. Let's see if it's any right. good, you yeah. know, or, or or whoever's in the movie, right? But now it's like, like if you wanted to, you could go on YouTube and watch, I'm not kidding, 150 different pressers with Brad Pitt, yeah. Margot Robbie, Quentin Tarantino, and Leonardo DiCaprio talking about that one movie. There's definitely right. a way to consume media that seems well, it's just upsetting. Too, too Most much of the of time, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, and see, like, I like watching that stuff, but after I saw the movie, right? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I'm not going to watch any of that stuff before I've even seen the movie, yeah, but like, after, well, if, but doing? if I like the movie, then I might, you know, but look what that I'm stuff saying out. is, like, what are we doing? Yeah, what is this discourse for? Who is it for? Like, you know what I mean? So, that's right. you have to really pick and clicks, choose. clickbait, yeah, that's all it is. Well, I mean, you just you have to, you but you have to pick and choose, like, what. What yeah. are you talking about? And why are you talking about it? Because if you're, you know, it's, I think there's a difference between sitting down and going, oh, did you read this? Yeah, I read that. What did you think about that? That's cool. Right. As opposed to, like, how do we shove this into people's face holes? Right. <laughs> right. You know, I I'm feel like I'm way off topic here. Sorry. But there's one other thing about that movie that I wanted to tell you. And you can cut this out if you want. Do you know who Nicholas Hammond is? Oh yeah, he's a director. He but he's yeah. old Spider Man. I couldn't believe it. I, I know, didn't... I couldn't believe it either. I was telling Danielle, I was like, Oh my god, that's Nicholas Hammond, he's Spider Man. <laughs> I didn't know it till afterward. 
remember my buddy the, told me. Remember the uh, remember the live action Spider Man? No, I know that, but I mean, you talk about Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But I don't. Oh, I sorry. don't. I don't think that's a spoiler. It's not. It's. It's not. No. But but you'll freak out. You'll be like, oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great. He, he's great in that movie. Best Peter Parker ever. <laughs> Easily. And sorry. Who's that guy? Who's uh? He's got. He's tall and kind of kind of white. He has like a square head and black hair, and he talks like this. Okay, guys. It's what is his name? What is, is he's in that movie? No, I don't know. He's talking about Gilbert Goffrey. No, <laughs> okay. He's little and annoying. Yeah, he's very annoying. No, this guy. He seems kind of like the guy from Twin Peaks, but he's not that guy. Oh no, I'll never. Think what has he been guy. in? Can you give us any oh, other information other than he has a square head, <laughs> black oh, hair? No. You say like like Ray Weiss? No. Oh. Is he is he older? Yeah, or? he's old guy. And he talks like this. He's a good sport. He's in a lot of sketch comedy. He shows up a lot sometimes. Oh, the guy from Mad Men, John Hamm. John Hamm. No, I don't like no. him. Oh. Anyway, you did just describe John Hamm, though. Did I? <laughs> no, he's an older gentleman. He looks kind of like the guy from Twin Peaks, but he's not that guy. Anyway, sorry. He's like a character mm. actor. Anyway. So send us a hey, you damn guys, send and let us know if you, if you know who Danielle's talking oh, about. Man. We had another bit of feedback on the outtakes episode by Ryan Yule. He said, this was a fun episode. Very funny. When you all signed off as Matt Strackbine, it made me think of We Are Groot. Yeah. All right. Yeah, nice. nice. Okay. Nice. The last little bit of feedback that we got was... Our good pal Nathaniel Green, he posted an article from NPR, and it was actually talking about podcasts and how to make your podcast sound good and all this kind of stuff. And he was telling me, you guys always sound really great. Maybe you could write about your methodology to help other podcasts out. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. I can make a post talking about all the equipment that we use, but we don't really have like the article that he was referencing. It was talking about how making a pillow fort can help your podcast. Yeah, I read, I read the article. I was like, man, I want to do a pillow fort. <laughs> but like, we don't, I mean, we have a, a couch in here with a bunch of pillows on it, but we don't have like a bunch of absorbing material on the walls no, or anything like that. they're talking about like when you get the, you get egg cartons and put it on the wall. Right, but we don't do anything like that, that. That's all about like making sure that it. Sound isn't coming in. Well, no, it's, it's more about sound isn't bouncing off of flat surfaces that are parallel. Oh, okay. So you make things not parallel as possible, and you make things absorb you with like carpets and pillows and right, like, right things that have texture. But if Nathaniel's saying that fabric. our podcast sounds great right. and we're not doing any of that, I don't think that you necessarily need. I mean, we have a big couch in here with giant pillows. That's right. the only thing I can think of. Well, I, was, but, um, I got the impression from the article they were talking about making a pillow fort for your personal kind of recording yeah because then they showed like with a laptop and a microphone right so maybe that was more like if you're just gonna be uh, recording solo and matt you have a little setup like that where you have like the that sound foam like around your mic for the letter hack podcast yeah i haven't used it yet because i'm saving i i need to save up a little bit more for a really nice microphone okay but yeah but we're also we're using apparently that's all a, you need they have a thing this thing that Dan yeah made. we have the little um pop screens. yeah pop filter uh-huh. so we've got the pop filters on the microphone we got headphones we got these big old headphones yeah we have the headphones in so we can all hear each other and the headphones are running in through a headphone amp and that headphone amp is a can you see what that is aubrey it's a behringer micro amp ha 400 
Yeah, and so that was pretty. It was pretty reasonable. You know, it wasn't very expensive. I run all our headphones through there. Uh, that micro amp is running into this mixer that I have. It's a Behringer X1222 USB, and so we have all of our microphones running into this mixer along with a cable. It has like a headphone jack on one end, and that's and that's where we have my phone plugged in, where we're calling Matt. Matt's plugged directly into the mixer, and we can hear him through the micro amp in our headphones. And that's pretty much it. I'm using Audacity on a laptop to record us. And then after I get done recording us, I run a noise reduction filter through the podcast episode. And I think that kind of takes out any kind of other sounds that might be there. And that's pretty much how we do it. Yeah. So, And um, you have a clampy thing. Oh, and I do have some of these. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. So a lot of times when we call Matt, there's some little computer interference. And one thing that we noticed is when we were talking to Mark, we were talking to Mark on Wi-Fi calling. Yeah. Um, and there was no interference. interference at all. So today, I actually am calling Matt on Wi-Fi calling, and there's no interference. So I that's just something we just learned. So I'm glad yeah. you brought that up, Danielle, because I was trying to clamp these little noise filter things onto the cord, and that kind of helped a little bit to reduce the... That's, but I think it was like a cellular sound yeah. that was kind of interfering. Well, it's like the it, cellular signal was hitting the wire. Right, you know, or something, something like, like that. that. So yeah. that so the Wi-Fi calling has also helped to get mad in here. And yeah, that's that's pretty much how we do it. I mean, you can't leave out, if if you want a truly good-sounding podcast, you need a John Salinas. Because we have the freedom to pretty much say and do whatever we want, and you'll fix it. Yeah, and I can say, take out that part and where I say that a guy has a square head and... because that's a really mean thing to say about a person. I'm sorry about I'm that. I'm serious, but you do need somebody competent. Yeah. Yeah, and... and the equipment's one thing. I'm, right? I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. So I do edit the show. I've talked about this before. I edit the show pretty heavily. I go through pretty much the entire episode. I re-listen to the entire thing. I cut out things that are time wasters or awkward silences. Um, some of the stuff that you heard in the outtakes episode I cut out. Yeah. And I try to make it all kind of streamlined and fit a little better. And I've even, you know, and you guys don't even know, I've even taken parts that we've talked about in a later part of an episode and put it at the beginning part of the episode because it fits better there. Or something that Matt talked about after we had already ended the episode and I cut it into the episode later because it was so good. So I do stuff like that all the time, rearrange stuff, then put it in different parts of the episode so it'll flow better. And yeah, it, it does take a significant amount of work, but I'm not like an expert sound person. I just learned Audacity through trial and error. It's a pretty easy program to use. It's freeware. And yeah, it just takes some commitment, you know, to actually put out a, you know, I want the show to sound professional. I want it to be a good product. And so I put a lot of work into it because I want, when people listen to it, I want them to say it sounds good. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good point um, to have someone who's going to edit it and at least go through and make sure that it sounds all right and make sure that it's a good listening experience. When you guys listen to the show, it should sound like it's this rolling discussion that never stops but in reality we have a lot of pauses and awkward silences and corrections that we have to make on the show yeah and it's like you know when you get the episode it'll be like an hour an hour and a half long or something like that but we've been talking we're like three three and a half hours right yes (laughs) (laughs) that's another good point Aubrey yes all right so thank you for all the feedback this week now we're all caught up in our feedback next week we'll be on our book club schedule and now we can be all aligned for our for our leap year, just like Aubrey said earlier, right? It's our leap episode. Leap episode. Oh, Thank you. Neat. 
All right, and so maybe we'll get some feedback on this episode, too. We talked a lot about the lobster and his origins. I'd love to hear uh, people's take on, wh- on what they thought of our discussion. It's so great to have Matt back on the podcast again and back in the swing of things. This just feels right. This feels like the yeah. way it should be. I missed having Aubrey over here every week and all that. So, yeah, it's been great, and we'll have another great year of podcasting. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody, it's great to be back. Tell us what you thought about this feedback episode. And also, send us some feedback if you still hadn't sent us the feedback that you were going to send us on those other episodes <laughs> that we haven't got a chance to talk to. You can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the uh, Discord link and the reading list on our Facebook About section. And I'm also going to add that document from Adam Hicks. I am not going to look at it because of spoilers. <laughs> As always, a special thanks to Paul from Gartaharn for the amazing music. Yeah. Thanks for the music, man, last year. That was great. It's been awesome. Also, thanks to uh, Mark Trudell for helping John with the reading order. Thank you, Mark. And thank you, John, for, well, everything we just talked about a few seconds ago. <laughs> uh, thank you, Matt and Danielle, for Fred being Willard. badass. Fred Willard. Fred Willard. His name is Fred Willard. Oh, you figured it out. I love Fred oh, Willard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was I talking about, though? Like, why did I bring him up? I he don't should remember. be in Twin Peaks. Yeah, he seems like awesome. he should be in Twin Peaks. <laughs> somewhere but why did you bring him up i don't remember the other part of what i was talking about now (laughs) uh, (laughs) hey you damn guys if If you you know what what i was talking about (laughs) Uh. (laughs) please help me go ahead aubrey also special thanks to fred willard uh (laughs) i just like him i think was the point you can find the podcast on podbean apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast from Next week, and this time we're serious, we're reading Lobster Johnson, Metal Monsters of Midtown. So pull out your back issues, trades, digitals, go to the library, and feel the claw (laughs) for next week. And join us on Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Fred Willard. And I'm Matt Schreckbein. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, welcome back. Aww. <laughs> Friendship. <laughs>